Coming up on this episode of Up for Debate, we're talking TV commercials. From the wild and wacky to the memorable and catchy, we're sharing some of our favorites from the past on this episode, so stick around. This is Up for Debate, episode number 118, recorded June 28th, 2018. Back after these messages. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the podcast that makes at least one hour out of your week not miserable. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by our own commercial director, Mr. Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Hello there, Sean. Uh, how's it going this week? It is. Uh, it's it's been a long week, Matt. It's been a long oh, week. Well, it's uh, the good thing about that is that we're doing a podcast here. That's I hear it's tailor-made to make your week less uh, filled with suffering. I mean, Matt, there's very little I would guarantee people about this show. We're that kind of weird and wacky about it. But one thing I can guarantee them, we'll always be fun. We'll never be, a, we're not downers here. That's not what our podcast is about. No. We're, not, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to be Debbie Downers here. We're trying no. to be, uh, uh, we're trying to be, Ursula Uppers. That's the only name I could think of that starts Ursula with Ursula is a famous cartoon villain. So. Uh, uh, we're trying to be. Help me out here. Women's Not name Debbie that starts with the letter U. We are trying to be. Peter Positive. Posi Uma. Uma Thurman. We're trying to be okay. Uma Upper. Uma Upper. Did you Google that? I literally. Women's names start <laughs> with you. And that was the first one that popped up? Uma, yeah. Wow. Ursa. That's um, not a name. Yeah, most of these are garbage. <laughs> Yulani. Isn't that a constellation? Ursa, Ursa Major, and Ursa Minor. Unique. Great bear, right? And little bear. You can name a girl unique, apparently. Um, yeah, Matt, so uh, I'm very excited. We've got a real fun one tonight uh, because, you know, we've talked about commercials on the show before. We famously made uh, our own TV commercials in a creative challenge. We made our own radio commercials in another creative challenge in past episodes. People should check those out. But what I'm excited about tonight is we're going to share some of other people's commercials, some of our favorites from the past TV commercials um, that have made us uh, made us laugh or they're memorable or crazy or, or who knows what. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to this episode, but... Um, before we begin delving into the world of wacky commercials, um, Sean, I have a, a little bit of a surprise here. Uh, okay. What's up? Uh, if, if you recall, we did a previous episode where we, uh, picked out idioms and we, we kind of discussed idioms. It's, it's, to me, it was one of the most memorable episodes that we've done a classic um a, a, indeed a classic from this past season and uh sean i have an idiom that i was i was thinking about on the, my drive home today uh and i want to pose the question to you and to the audience members out there our, our listeners of this podcast uh are you familiar with the with the idiom to take something with a grain of salt Ah, yes. Yes, quite familiar. Or, or, 
Yes, alternatively, a pinch of salt. I use that Are one. Are you familiar all the with time. that one? All the time. Okay. Uh, do you know where that idiom comes from? Oh boy, Matt, do I? Uh, no, of course everyone knows. Take it with a grain of salt comes from an old uh, uh it's a late 1800s phrases when uh restaurants started becoming more commonplace in in society and what it, what people would do is the chefs obviously they weren't used to cooking in restaurants you know restaurants haven't been around forever you know they were invented about that time and chefs didn't know to season the food and so what they would say to the waiters and the waitresses when they took the food to the tables is they would say take the food with a grain of salt, put it on the food, make it taste better, because the chefs didn't season the food. And, and, and in the case of customers complaining, they would say, take it with a grain of salt. And because it's, and they still say in restaurants today, that's probably where you've heard it. Um, and that's why it's become so commonplace. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember the, the, the first restaurant, of course, invented by George R.R. Restaurant. Yep. In 1898. <laughs> In in, yep. in in turn of the century Chicago. People told them it would never in a million years take off. Why and, would I buy food that's already out. cooked? That's right. crazy. Well, little did they know. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's why ninety percent of the restaurants are owned by the restaurant family. Restaurant tours, they're called. Restaurant tours. Yes. Who who uh, live on in George R. R. Restaurant's legacy to, even today. Um, no, the, uh, the, the historical phrase to take something with a grain of salt originated in the works of Pliny the Elder, who was an ancient, um, an ancient Roman, uh, poet, author, uh, philosopher, uh, what he said in one of his works, Naturalis Historia, um, he said that, uh, he actually described, he described that, um, the grain of salt was a popular antidote for poison. If somebody was poisoned, they would take um, one of the ingredients to the antidote, to the remedy, was a grain of salt. So you would have to take the poison, or take the antidote, rather, with a grain of salt, and that was supposed to like activate the chemical elements within the antidote that would, um, that would, uh, would kind of um, help you be, be like overcome the poison. Uh, an alternative account says that the Roman general Pompey believed that he could make himself completely immune to poisoning by ingesting small amounts of various poisons. So he would take poisons to basically to build up an immunity. Awesome. Right? It's kind of like those people that walk out into the beehives, right? Have you ever seen these people? They strip almost naked. And they walk out in the middle. The theory is that they, if they get stung by a bunch of bees, they'll actually build up an immunity. In reality, though, I think the opposite happens, right? Like you get I, like more susceptible to bee venom as you get stung, something like that. Um, so Pompey would take the salt with the poison in order to help him digest it, in order to help him swallow it to prevent his body from just kind of throwing it back up. Which was ironic because he famously died of salt poisoning. No, he was actually beheaded, which is a lot more disturbing. Can't have, can't, uh, can't build up immunity against that, can you, Matt? Yeah, his his head was served to was actually presented to Julius Caesar on a silver platter uh, by um, uh, I believe it was it was Ptolemy the Thirteenth, who was the 
leader of Egypt at the time. And uh, Julius Caesar was was really like really like put off by that. He was not he was not cool with seeing his general's head or former general's head on a platter. Anyway, um, uh, probably the most likely explanation, though, for this 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 idiom comes from the Latin phrase cum grano salis, which could be translated as either with a grain of salt or with a small amount of wit. Oh, okay. I like that. Salis is Latin for both salt and wit. So, you know what this reminds me with the pinch of salt. But that's your explanation. Well, you know what this this kind of reminds me of something I don't often think about, which is uh, before guns were invented, people had to get really creative when killing people. It wasn't so easy. You really had to kind of go out of your way to to do like how many people are poisoned anymore? No one poisons people anymore. They just shoot them. You know, but back in those days. Yeah, unless you're a KGB agent, but I mean a former yeah. KGB agent. Yeah, in those that, rare yeah. fancy cases. But uh, but wow, Matt, that was what a fantastic idiom. Indeed. Thank you for sharing. I think my story was a little bit better, but but yours is certainly more plausible. <laughs> yes, we we all do remember the 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 fo- we fondly remember the 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 tales of George R R Restaurant. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. When will he come <laughs> out with his new restaurant? We've been waiting forever. The suspense is killing us. We're never going to get that restaurant. Nope. Uh, now, uh, that's actually, and if people want to hear more about idioms, idi- uh, what was the episode title? Idioms for Idiots was our uh, was the episode. Go check that out at upfordebate.tv. Um, it, was, uh, it was a real fun one. I'm really, I'm really glad we did that. That was a hoot. Now, uh, now Matt, as mentioned, uh, TV commercials, some of our favorites. The great thing, you know, most people forget about television. They think television, it's a great place to tell stories, prestige television. No. Television sells ads, all right? The content is just there to get you to watch, so you watch the ads, all right? That's, television is an ad delivery medium. And boy, have we seen a lot of great ads over the years. Matt, do you have, any, uh, do you have an ad you want to start with, or should I, uh, should I pick one off on my list? Um, there's just tons and tons of, of great ads. Um, one of my favorite ads of all time is uh, the, t- the classic Time to Make the Donuts ad. Yes, with uh, Dunkin' Donuts, famously. Yes, one of one of the the iconic Dunkin' Donuts, and it, it was a lo- it was a long standing ad advertisement too. Um, just kind of presented this guy going. He like woke up, went through his day to day routine, and he said, "It's oh, it's time to make the donuts." Yeah, uh, Fred the Baker, uh, portrayed by yes. actor Michael Vale, starred in these commercials from 1981 to 1997. Uh, if you can believe it, it was named one of the five best TV commercials of the 1980s by the Television Bureau of Advertising. Um, um, and they officially retired the character, including a parade in the city of Boston on September 22nd, 1997. Uh, he passed away in 2005. Uh, that's, that's really It's really nice that he was recognized for his service. You know, making donuts uh, for the people, and I, I'm sure that's that's exactly what he wanted to be remembered for. Yeah, Matt. Why don't we go ahead and uh, this episode is partly going to be fun for the folks out there because whether you're listening on audio or video, we're going to be playing some of these commercials throughout the episode. Let's go ahead and take a look at one of the classic "Time to Make the Donuts" ads. Time to make the donuts. Dunkin' Donuts are always fresh. I made the donuts. We make them at least twice every day. Time to make the donuts. Not a few kinds, like supermarkets. Hey, 
Donuts. Time to make the donuts. But up to 52 varieties. The donuts. <laughs> Time to make the donuts. I made the donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. Up to 52 varieties, fresh day and night. No supermarket can say that. Yeah, Matt, he kind of comes off like a lunatic in that commercial a little bit. Like like, like, like a man driven to the brink of insanity by constantly making donuts. I didn't want to give it away, but that last bit when he opens the door and he, he's, he's on the other side of it. Yep, while we're talking. I just I'll, something I'll about that. Here. Yeah, this is such a classic. But uh, Classic ad. Yeah, he really is a, I think deep down in his core, he, this man is a workaholic. Um, just kind of has has basically replaced his his joie de vivre with with work. His entire purpose his his purpose in life is just working for this company that probably completely devalues him as a person. Yeah, absolutely. I think his wife is thinking yeah. about leaving him because he she may have already left him. She didn't really seem very. She didn't convince me that she was the most loving in that commercial. She just kind of gave him his hat. Yep. Sent him on, on, on his way while she waits for the uh, the milkman to arrive. Oh, here's a, here's a great one for Dunkin' Donuts. Cereal. One of their, uh, one of their, I don't know why that didn't stick around, but a cereal made of mini donuts. That sounds like a really great idea. It really does. Um, now, we have Cookie Crisp. I don't know why we can't have Dunkin' Donuts cereal. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know why this was such uh, so short lived. Yeah, it reminds me of the Oreo O's. You remember Oreo O's, which are still a thing. They are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they are still. Uh, yeah, the other thing I think you notice in these ads is just how much better the donuts looked back then. Like, not that not that I'm going to hate on Dunkin' Donuts donuts today. But goddamn, if the donuts didn't look way better back in those days, bigger, fluffier, more frosting, how have how times have changed? Indeed. Um, but to borrow a, an idiom, you may have to take that with a grain of salt because this is still a commercial, and I know they do they do really wacky, they do real wacky stuff with oh, the. Yeah effects of of commercial of food food and commercials like you know making it look appealing and appetizing and painting it basically everything is crafted with wood and paint plastics well, designed to look a certain way one of the most famous examples of that is in cereal commercials instead of milk they use glue white glue um because it sure. looks more appetizing than milk that's horrifying. Yes, it that is. is. That it actually, wow. But, but I'm not surprised. Uh, I know that, yeah, a fair amount of spray paint goes into uh, McDonald's commercials to make to give the, particularly the meat and the cheese that kind of shine, mm -hmm. uh, to make it look like it was right. It's right off the grill. Um. And yeah. It, it uh, there's there's a very fascinating uh, process that goes into making com uh, food commercials and um, making things look appealing because they're rarely not. Uh, you know, Matt. Speaking of things that are appealing, I I, I want to share this ad. This is one of the weirdest ads. 
that I've ever seen, and one with some of the best sausage sound work that I've ever seen. This is an obscure ad from Japan. Uh, I'm going to play it a couple times through, and then we can talk about it. Let's take a look at this from Bayern Sausage. Bayern. Now, what I love about this one, Matt, is a couple... Th- and by the way, people, you got to see the video version because we're going to describe these, but it doesn't do them justice. What I love about this one is that it's... A Japanese sausage commercial starring Sylvester Stallone. In it, he's golfing. What that has to do with sausage, I don't know. And while he's, Sylvester Stallone. Exactly. Known for golfing, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. What he does in the commercial, all you see is him swinging the club. You don't even see the ball or the ball goes. and It's just him swinging the club and just saying, Byron. Byron, which is the name of the sausage company. Byron. That's, that's the only word he says in the whole ad. You intercut that with... Uh, with um, pictures of the sausages and the sausages are flying around and they're looking all shiny and sausagey and then it shows the fork being jammed into the sausage with the best sound effect i love that that sound effect of the the sausage being oh god it's grotesque um in appearance um yeah that 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 part of the commercial is what really uh, stuck out to me uh, is the sound effect. And you don't really see that in a lot of commercials, right? Like, no. a lot of commercials are very much about the visual. Well, and, and that's... I'm, yeah, I, I really believe in, in using, you know, all five senses. Not that you can use all five in a commercial, but granted, I mean, unless you revert to... Uh, there was that, that smell-o-vision phase back yeah. in the, in the 80s and well, 90s. Like your TV, sure. But um, the uh, the sound is really... It's really Really, when you think of commercials today, the appeal is, I feel like 80% of the time is, is the, the visual. And then like that, that rare 20% is when you get the, the audio overlay that there, there, and this one is really very much appealing to both sight and sound, but it's good to, it's good to see a good, a, a well-made example of an, uh, a commercial that caters to the, the audio. And, yeah. and that sound of that that fork piercing the skin of the sausage uh, makes the sausage that more much more desirable. See, I disagree. I think the sound of the fork piercing the sausage is horrendous and sounds like uh, some foley sound effect of like a car accident or something of just human flesh just being qu- like like oh this is what it sounds like when you get stabbed. You know, it's it's the, and it's all that that like initial pop of it going through the outer skin and then the wet sound of the fork. It's just such a there's a reason why they don't play these types of sounds in normal commercials because you know a crisp of a potato chip sounds really great. The sound of a fork being jabbed into a sausage does not sound appealing at all. Hey, I, it's so loud I, in the sound. I have to disagree with you there. I think it sounds great. Nope. I think that it's it made it made me want a sausage. That's for sure. Nope, and it and comes out of nowhere. I wonder why other um, I wonder why other advertisers like for sausages and for hot dogs why they don't play up that sound effect more often because it's horrible. that one in particular but just the the sound of like the, you know the Nathan's you could have like the snap the snap of the hot dog is a real snappy dog uh, the ballpark Frank doesn't have as much snap 
but you could have like the crackling of it on a, on a grill. A lot of the times with hot dog or sausage, com- all right. The sausage commercials, because they're, they're more catered to your breakfast and stuff, usually features like a guy getting up for work or, or a lady getting up for work and, and uh, throwing some sausages on the stove or on the, on the, you know, like you need them on the go. They play up like the portability factor of it. Um, and the hot dog ones almost always bring up baseball or some type of summer sport. Well, cuz no one wants to talk about what is a hot dog and what's in a hot dog and what do hot dogs look like and sound like. No one wants to talk about well, that. Well, you know what? I think it's, it's about time we had that conversation. As a country, nope. we get we should sit down and have that conversation honestly and openly. Nope. What is in a hot dog? And let's let everybody know about it. There are lots of unappealing sounds. The sounds of a hot dog are one of them. Wouldn't you give Ballpark a lot more respect or or Hebrew National a lot more respect if they they went on TV and, and just kind of listed the ing- all the ingredients of their hot dog and said, like, we're confident you're going to buy them any you're going to buy it anyway. Well, that's and no. And actually, I would respect that a lot. What I'm saying is if if ballpark came on and said ballpark, the snappiest hot, listen to our hot dogs and they just like stab a hot dog with a fork. No, that's horrible. That doesn't make me I want a hot dog. I want that audio. I want that little audio clip. And then every time you text me, I wanted to play that audio clip of that. Just that little sausage being stabbed by a hot dog by a, by a fork. and the, dog and, by and a the thing about this ad is that it's not bad it's not just bad enough that they play that sound but the ad you don't expect it because the ad starts off with sylvester stallone playing golf and saying byron 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 <laughs> and then and then they stab the hot it's so bizarre it's uh, it's japanese commercials i mean we could do a whole episode on just oh, uh God, yeah weird japanese commercials yep they go they go places and this isn't uh, even the only Sylvester Stallone Byron sausage ad. There's one where he's like in a black tie event. And mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what he does in it, but he's like at a fancy party, ta- you know, getting excited about sausages. It's it's not normal. It's it's not mm-hmm. normal at all. So that's what you do when you're a big shot celebrity. I mean, if you've ever seen Lost for Lost in Translation, oh, the yeah. Murray film, when you're a big shot celebrity, that's what you do. You go to Japan and you shoot a bunch of nonsensical commercials. That's how you know you've made it. Yep. Yep. Harder to hide these days with the internet, that's for sure. Now, Matt, do you have another ad you'd like to uh, to pitch out to us? Sure. Um, I want to go for a um, let me think. My one of one of my other favorite ads, uh, and I think we have talked about this one many times on the show. Uh, it's the um, Sears air conditioner ad. Uh, Classic. Yeah. Yep, Classic. Uh... Yeah. Let, let's play a little clip of that here for the folks at home um, to see uh, to see this. Here we go. Day without air conditioning. I cannot live another day without air conditioning. Says tomorrow's going to be hotter. Hotter? Like yesterday. Yesterday? Yesterday you said you'd call Sears. I'll call today. You call now. I'll call now. Now's the time to save. We'll, say- we'll skip to the end. What's the paper say about tomorrow? Another scorcher. Cool. Yeah, man, an, an iconic ad for people who watched Nickelodeon in the 90s. It was on all the time. Um, and I think the, the, the true genius of this ad uh, is something that you mentioned uh, in a previous show uh, off, off camera, off the air, when we were, we were talking about this particular commercial. And you said um, the reason that they put it on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, the 
children's networks is because uh, parents used to actually pay attention to the things that their kids were watching and more often than not also watch with them. So when they would see a commercial like that uh, featuring, um, you know, a, 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 a couple that really wants an air conditioner, you know, they, they might think, oh, well, we, we could use an air conditioner too. Yeah, no, it's it's really it's an interesting it's an interesting idea because when you're in advertising, you have a marketing budget, you have X number of dollars to spend, so you got to make your dollars stretch. So that's why you can buy one Super Bowl commercial and spend all your money. Or you can buy lots of smaller commercials on less watch channels um, and get more spread that way. And it's an interesting idea that they went to a children's channel where, in the middle of the day during the week, advertising is cheaper. It it just is. I mean, today I I think it's a little more expensive than it used to be back then. But um, it's cheaper, and you can afford to run more, more ads for the same amount of money. And like you mentioned, like I mentioned, that um, back in those days, the parents were watching with the kids. They really thought they could, they could hit the if they ran the ad enough, they could reach them. It's a it's a really interesting idea. And by the way, if you watch kids channels now, you don't see this as much anymore. I mean, the the, the advertising on kids networks are really focused on kids. Um, no one's really done this since Sears. But it's amazing if you Google this ad. Um, everyone remembers it so it clearly must have worked i i think part of it is that it's just so goddamn cheesy looks like we got another scorcher hotter yesterday yesterday you said you'd call sears call sears i'll call today you'll You'll call call now i'll I'll call call now (laughs) it's so bad it looks like it looks like tomorrow's gonna be hotter cool you know, another like, scorcher. Another scorcher. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's so lame, but it's very 90s. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it worked. It wor- It just goes to show, and that doesn't have to be good to be memorable. Yes. Uh, and I, I don't know how much of it has to do with the writing or how much of it has to do with the frequency at which this commercial... I mean, I, this commercial was on for years, often, like very frequently. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of drilled into into our collective minds as a generation. Absolutely. Um, and and that's just what I like about that commercial is uh, it really does take you back to a place in time. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Uh cool. Matt, I've got another one here for us. This is yeah. one of one of my personal favorites um with with one of the catchiest jingles a lot of a lot of my favorites have jingles big jingles because i i love the musical elements of commercials because in 30 seconds they got to get you to remember something uh this is a commercial from 1978 um aired on local chicago tv let's take a look at this place uh right now So that was a commercial for a store called Just Pants um, in the greater Chicagoland area uh, from the 70s with that great, very catchy song uh, and a lot of people in very 70s outfits kind of dancing around, lots of shots of butts. Um, <laughs> and, and I just, I love the jingle from this one. Um, just Pants. 
it's uh it's great it's so weird it's weird why would they restore called just pants and they apparently i can't figure out whether or not they did only sell just pants because they show people wearing shirts and stuff in the ad yeah um i i when i was watching this commercial i i had to i have to look it up um i forgot to look it up earlier um just pants like was that a, was that a brand was that a company so they say at the end of the commercial, 44 locations in the Chicagoland area. In the Chicagoland area, yes, which I also had never heard that term before. Like, what is Chicagoland? Oh, Chicagoland is, um, it's a term used to describe Chicago and the surrounding suburbs. They call it Chicagoland. I've never heard that. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now I'm familiar. Okay. Um... Oh, here we go. Oh, this is great. So here's an article from 1998... It ran in the Waukegan News Sun. Uh, Jerry Schultz appears to be a stubborn man. For 15 years, Schultz has been the owner of manager of Just Pants, a store specializing in jeans and accessories at the Lakehurst Mall. Once part of a, this is from 98. Once part of a national franchise, the store is now the only one left of its kind. The once popular chain fizzled as its rival, The Gap, became the Microsoft of casual clothing. That's terrible. Um, it says Schultz was quoted as saying, this is the lone remaining Just Pants were the last of the Mohicans. Wow. Uh, <laughs> while you were telling that story, I was just thinking that Just Pants would be a great location name for like a sitcom. Like, not the name of the sitcom, but where the main character of a sitcom works. Like, he owns a Just Pants. Like, like a Central Perk kind of, <laughs> you know? The, the... Yeah. And like, the re- like a recurring joke is a customer will come in and... <laughs> And say and ask him like, well, what do you guys sell here? Just pants? Yep, just pants. And then the audience will clap. And <laughs> once in a while, they could have gotten like a famous celebrity to come in and, and be like a like a a customer. Like George Clooney would walk in and be like, hey, I, you know what? I, I you want a shirt too with that? Nope, just pants. Just uh, pants. Like a presidential candidate. I could picture like Bill Clinton walking in there in the mid-90s. Bill Clinton, what are you doing here? Pants. (laughs) I got to get some pants for Hillary. (laughs) Just Pants is filmed before a live studio audience. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it would be the name of the sitcom itself, but it is the perfect location for... I was thinking like a, yeah, like a Central Perk or... um, uh, Where where was the... Do we ever know the... What's the place where... um, I guess Jerry Seinfeld's a stand-up comic, so he doesn't work in a plate. But it's like he, oh, the um, Cheers, like the Cheers bar. Sure, you know, it's, or the radio it, you know, station somebody, where Fraser works. Sure, right. It's it's like a, a locate, yeah, a sitcom location. Yep. Ah, no, I love uh, it. He were, I work at the Just Pants. Yeah. I think I think Just Pants would be a great name for like in the that '70s show type parody where it shows how ridiculous the '70s were, where they're like, "What do you mean you have Just Pants?" <laughs> yep no yeah, I, I i love i love the idea of a store that sells just pants called just pants i love the jingle and the commercial saturday night and we're going out. just pants <laughs> it's uh it's great so uh and the people and the people in this ad are bonkers they are out of their damn minds because they're they're excited to start the party and they're like shaking and they're shimmying and there's lots of butts in the ad because they get really psyched about that. Mm. Um, and they're like slapping their butts and they're putting now, on the pants. Now, do you think do you think that they consulted the Bee Gees before they directly <laughs> ripped off their their song? 
Matt, you're you're breaking you're, you're breaking up on me a little bit here. They pay them royalties. Yeah. Or was this like before? Yeah, I don't. The big uh, age where copyright. Oh, Matt, are you there? So I, I'm not really too sure if uh, they paid royalties to the Bee Gees on that, but um, maybe it was before the time when uh, this sort of copyright, people were so worried about copywriting songs and, and material. I don't know. It is distinctly of the time, no doubt about that. Indeed. No doubt about that. That it was. Uh, now, Matt, you have a, you have another ad you want us to look at? Hey, I sure do. Um this is another classic nostalgia driven advertisement. Uh, this one, um, I think, uh, many people of our generation will remember. It's one of my favorite commercials, certainly ever. Um, Sean, please cue up Mr. Bucket. Oh my goodness. Mr. Bucket, Matt, you, uh, yeah, well, why don't we play it and then and then we'll talk about it. How's that? That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth and we'll pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all gonna run. I'm Mr. Bucket. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls in, and Mr. Bucket wins. But look out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls will pop out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. A ball is what I'm about. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all gonna run. I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket from Milton Bradley. Yeah, Mr. Bucket, balls pop out of his mouth. Sean, can you um, explain to me what is the goal of Mr. Bucket? <laughs> that commercial does not explain. Like, the whole point of the commercial is to explain what Mr. Bucket is and what the objective of the game is, and I still am not clear on it, even after seeing that commercial. Yeah, so I think the, the biggest problem here is that this is a game for extremely young children. Um, and I believe the idea is that Mr. Bucket is supposed to shoot these little plastic balls somewhere across the room. And like a dog, the kid goes to play fetch <laughs> and has to get the ball, put it in Mr. Bucket only so Mr. Bucket can then shoot it out again. But, but the little girl on the end of the commercials exclaims that she wins. I win. That well, how I do you win understand. Mr. Bucket? That I don't understand. Is it on a timer? Or is it when you get all the balls and you put them back in him and he, he can't... He can't possibly spit any more out. All right. How about this? Zeke surrender at that point? You vanquished him? So from Wikipedia, Mr. Bucket is a tabletop game and toy released in 92, discontinued, re-released in 2007, discontinued again, and re-re-released in 2017. The object of the game is for a player to get all of their balls into Mr. Bucket before he pops them out of his mouth. Um, To set up the game, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so to start the game... The balls are scattered across the floor. Each player chooses a shovel that corresponds to the ball color. To start the game, one player switches on Mr. Bucket. Uh, players scoop up the balls that match their shovel's color and drop them into the top of Mr. Bucket. While the players collect their balls at regular intervals, Mr. Bucket spits them out. The winner is the first player to get all three of their balls and Mr. Bucket at the same time. So really what you're racing is how fast he can spit them out. So the balls start outside of Mr. Bucket. You got to get all three in before he can spit them out. Um, 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, did you ever own Mr. Bucket? Did you Did you have a Mr. Bucket? I remember the commercial. I definitely remember the commercial. I don't think I did, but again, it's such a it's it's a toy for such a young age. Do you know anybody that owned a Mr. Bucket? I'm trying to make a point. By the I, way, and I think I'm helping you make your point. No, Matt, I don't. The, I I don't think this was a very effective ad. As as memorable, this is a good example of a memorable ad that was not effective. Well, but that's what's... I, I don't know anybody that owned a Mr. Bucket. I certainly didn't own one, and I don't I don't know what a bit, what kind of... A, it, it certainly didn't make a big cultural impact. Maybe just the commercial did. Well, that's probably why they discontinued it. You know, because people weren't... But they kept re-releasing it, Sean. They kept they kept trying. And it and this, Milton Bradley continues to fail. Milton Bradley, yes. But they we could do... We could cash do, their checks. We could do a whole show just on game commercials board game type commercials because those had the best jingles for don't wake daddy um and the mousetrap it's a crazy action a zany contraption the fun is happening it's mousetrap remember that one um i'm trying to think of of course there's the the famous uh where here diagonally pretty sneaky sis uh the old (laughs) connect four ad what were some of the other ones of that time um, connect four, go for it. Connect four. Are you? Did you just make that up? No, that I don't. <laughs> I, I that literally I sound like you. You're like connect four. It's a game. Connect four. <laughs> connect four. You gotta connect all four. Connect four. Do play it while your parents are at work connect for they don't love <laughs> you something to your, do your parents are probably getting divorced <laughs> it's mostly your fault uh no but i mean try were... to take agency of something in your life by connecting for <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing you can control you can't control but by the way speaking of the opposite of control talk about the the heart racing stress inducing pop goes perfection <laughs> yes uh that well, how did that uh, how did that that Kids game was incredibly stressful slot, have you make the right selection, selection. but be quick you're but racing quick, the clock you're racing the clock Pow! pop, pop goes, goes perfect that ad was terrifying that the game was terrifying the game was oh, equally I hated, terrifying i was so bad at perfection that game will give you ptsd like nothing else yep <laughs> yep i love that one uh, can you guess who? It's a mystery. Does your person have a person beard? Person have a beard? No. no. I'm history. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad that we remember these, Matt. But we were mm-hmm. kids, you know. We didn't know any better. Our mind. I think it also helps that our brains were so impressionable and easy to mold. And they aired these all the time. Yeah, it's not like today where advertisements come and go very quickly. I think uh, you you definitely they had some more a little bit more longevity back yep. in the day. Yep. Oh man, it's fun getting into trouble. Uh, no man, I do want to play one that was actually on my list that was a classic board game commercial, and that is uh, well, let's just play it and uh, and see what uh, see what the the people think of this one. Time in the future, the ultimate challenge. Crossfire! Crossfire! You can count the crossfire! Crossfire! 
So, Matt, <laughs> that ad is buck wild insane. It is. So, oh, so, yeah. so, just for those who can't see the video, let me describe it for you. Enter an arena of chanting children that's on fire, lightning being struck all around. Two young kids come flying in on these little game pieces and they land on the flame covered game board. And then they proceed to shoot marbles at each other in what appears to be the most boring game ever invented. But it's underlaid by the most extreme rock song. You'll get caught up in the crossfire. Crossfire. It, it's, it's, it's some metal band got paid on the weekend to record the crossfire theme song. It's bonkers. It is indeed bonkers. One of the kids gets banished back to hell. It's, it's, I, what world is this game in? Um, the world that the game is in, I don't know. I, it's some kind of really bizarre, almost dystopian future where, have you noticed, like, they're in some kind of arena, almost like a Thunderdome style arena. I like to believe the two, the two kids have to, like, fight to the death in order to escape. And, and like they they won't they're not allowed out unless uh, like only the winner like there can only be one kind of thing yeah like ju- like given their involvement in the game like it, it it doesn't really seem like they're having fun as much as it seems like they acknowledge that this this could be their end and it very much is the end for that that uh the kid that loses he he perishes yeah he's, he's never heard from again yes he's vanquished to the other realm it's crazy indeed. Um, and uh, I, I don't have you ever played Crossfire, Matt? Uh, I have not. No, I've never played. Yeah, Crossfire. I had the opportunity to play it once. Phenomenally lame. Phenomenally lame. <laughs> you can't upsell it that hard and produce what is a very boring. It's like somehow less exciting than Hungry Hungry Hippos. They're in an eating race. I win. It looks like just like Hungry Hungry Hippos. It looks like a game that will be fun for approximately 20 seconds. Yep. And and maybe not even that long. Really, just one round. After you've played one round, you're like, I'm good. I'll go outside or something. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Definitely not worth it. Yeah. Um. Let's see, Matt. Oh, I, you know what? Hey, speaking of games commercials, this is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, but it's for a video game, and it's a, it's for me a great example of old video game commercials. This is uh, for the Atari 2600. Let's take a look at this. You want to play Berserk? You're on. Hey, where are you going? The video arcade. You can't play Berserk at home. Now you can. systems from Atari. Have you played Atari today? Now, Matt, uh, I love that ad for a number of reasons. Mainly starting with the actress who plays the grandma, who is the one of the best actresses I've ever seen in a TV commercial. Because she sells the fact that I really think she thinks she needs to go to a video arcade to play Berserk. And then she finds out she can play at home Atari. She's so excited. 
Um, and of course, starts smack talking her grandson. Uh, what she calls him a turkey at one point in the ad. Does she call him the turkey? I I was under the impression she was referring to the enemies that you shoot as turkeys. Well, let's see. Oh, he says, take that turkey. So I guess she's probably, you're right, she's probably talking to the game. More Still so the funny nonetheless. The I said, that's, that's some great. smack talk you don't really hear. But you can't play at home. Yeah, she was convinced that you had to go to the arcade. The video she arcade. She really wanted to go. The video I'm sorry. arcade. The way that she sells that line is just so bananas. Sure. For a game that, from my perspective, seems pretty lame. Maybe at the time it was pretty exciting. But Atari had a lot. I recommend people, if you haven't seen a lot of the old Atari ads, they are just so crazy because they're so, like, fast and bright and Pole Position has a great ad and um, some of these other some of these other Atari ads are definitely, I would say, worth watching. Yes. Um, uh, the... <laughs> The Atari ads, I think, were they kind of before Nintendo had kind of taken taken everything from Atari. Really, uh, those ads were some of the best ones. And really, that's another thing where you do an entire episode of, devoted to early early gaming ads. Yep. Yeah, I've got up on the screen here for those mm-hmm. watching the video the old uh, pole position ad with the very lame family who gets transported into a bunch of race cars. Um, it's it's weird, um, but that's what was great. Is they were they were trying to market something people didn't know that much about video games. You know, they had to make them seem exciting. So there is that. Uh, Matt, you got any more ads for us to uh, to peruse here? Um, I I think I think we we should just go down your list. There's some other ones that I really want to make sure that we get to. Yeah, such as uh, get, uh, why don't you pitch one? Oh, I was a big fan of. Uh, I'm still the song is still in my head. The uh, celebrity ad for Pepsi, the Pepsi Generation. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. You know what's crazy about this one? I'll play it. And maybe we'll talk over it a little bit. Um, but it's it's a long commercial. It's a minute and a half. Um, and it stars this great young, uh, Michael Jackson dancing character. And, uh, he's drinking Pepsi, loving the Pepsi, dancing with all of his street youths and they're getting all, he's popping and he's locking and he's doing the moonwalk and all the Michael Jackson things. And you're like, oh, that's cute. It's like a little Michael Jackson. But then what's crazy, let, let's listen to the music here for a minute. Oh, who's that guy with the fancy shoes? What's that? Michael it's Jackson? The real Michael Jackson. But what bothers me most about this, more than anything else, is the fact that he changed the goddamn lyrics to Billie Jean to be about Pepsi. Like, <laughs> like there's no bigger sellout move in music. Like, I don't care if he promotes Pepsi. But you can't take your your most or one of your most iconic songs that's about something and make it about Pepsi. Like it's the, as soon as I heard the music, I'm like, oh, he's going to perform Billie Jean and they're going to drink the Pepsi. He changes the lyrics. My mind <laughs> yeah. was blown. I would have never guessed that. That was a, that was definitely a twist. 
Um, feel the Pepsi way, man. I think what's what's interesting about this commercial is that it uh, it kind of sets the tone for a, a line of Pepsi commercials that is still like continuing to this day. Like the, the idea that Pepsi is the fresh new, the beverage of the you know of a new generation, the beverage of young cool people. That's been Pepsi's thing for a really long time. A really long time. Um, it's it's almost become a tradition to think of Pepsi as the cool drink. At least that's what they want you to think about. Like their marketing. Um, and you count you contrast that, okay, with their main rival, their chief rival, Coca Cola, which wants you to think of. They want you to think of that themselves as, you know, Coca Cola is the beverage of tradition. It's the it's your grandpa's soda it's your grandpa's cola it's your great grandpa's cola it's it's been here and it's lasted like like that and and you know um it's still enjoyed by people today i think that's a really interesting contrast you can really see how, how pepsi took that message you know coke's message of of uh, longevity and twisted it on its head by saying yeah you know we've been here for a long time too but we're also young and cool. You know, we don't need to be your grandpa's soda. We're the soda of a new generation. Yeah, old like, man. It's kind of, yeah, this progressive idea. Uh, I find it very interesting. Well, Never after, really thought uh, about it before. Well, after Michael Jackson, uh, here are just some of the other music acts that have endorsed Pepsi. Uh, the Spice Girls, Britney Spears, Beyonce, uh, Jennifer Lopez, David Beckham, Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey, Nicki Minaj, One Direction, Kendall Jenner. Not really a music act, but okay. Uh, so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, that um, that it certainly is a young brand, and they they certainly they use you know I, I Coke doesn't to my knowledge doesn't have a lot of today doesn't have a lot of spokespeople because back in the eighties um, when Michael Jackson was doing Pepsi here. Um, they had, uh, the great Max Headroom. They had, uh, Bill Cosby was a big, uh, new Coke. Uh, he started a lot of old Coke commercials. Then who else was speak? But they don't, I don't think Coke does a lot of spokespeople these days. What do you, uh, do, do you know? Um, Coke... I'm trying to think of the like a recent Coca-Cola commercial. Most of the time, I don't think they really focus on celebrities. It, no. it seems much more like, you know, it's just a, just a normal person. You know, you're, you're you're Joe Everyman drinking a Coke and or sharing a Coke. They're really big into sharing these days. Yep. You know, share a Coke with Jessica. Share a Coke with your coworker. Like it's right on the can or the bottle. Um. And that's an interesting an interesting difference as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think the 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 probably the most famous Coke spokesperson ad was the Mean Joe Green ad here kid sure. catch. Thanks Mean Joe. Thanks yeah. Mean Joe. Yeah. Another great ad. For sure. 
Um, Matt, let's see how we're doing on time here. We got time for maybe one more ad if there's a, a certain one cool. you'd like to get to. Um, tell me the ones that you know what you, you pick. I picked oh, the last one. Oh, you're too. Con- I think this should be time um, for you. To gosh, pick. but yeah. there's so many good ones to choose from, and I'm gonna. I know. I, I'm. Um, America Online or Ancient no. Chinese Secret? Which 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 is better? Um. I like the ancient Chinese secret one because I, I read a little bit about it. I yeah. researched it after watching it, and I have a little cool little story to share about All it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and play it for the folks. Everyone should know a little bit about this, but here is the uh, Calgon detergent. How do you get shirts so clean, Mr. Lee? Ancient Chinese secret. My husband, some hotshot. Here's his ancient Chinese secret, Calgon. Calgon's two water softeners soften wash water so detergents clean better. In hardest water, Calgon helps detergents get laundry up to 30% cleaner. We need more Calgon. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Calgon helps detergents get laundry up to 30% cleaner. I love that ad. That's a, that. What a fantastic ad. It's so concise and so clear. By the way, Calgon had two of the biggest ad slogans of its day with um, Ancient Chinese secret, but also their famous Calgon, take me away, if you've ever seen those ads. Um, where people would get frustrated by the laundry and Calgon would take them away. Um, yeah, you know what? I, 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 I think I've seen that commercial. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, the, the, uh, the story about Calgon that I found, um, I'm trying to look for the person's name, the actress. Here it is. Okay. So the actress that you see in that commercial is actually Ann Miyamoto, who is not Chinese. She's Japanese. Um, she actually, uh, when they were going to film the commercial, they wanted her to do it in a very thick accent. And she refused. She said um, she wanted to demonstrate that Asian Americans are perfectly capable of speaking the fluid or, or, you know, understandable English. So she actually insisted, she said, if I'm going to do the commercial, I'm going to say it the way that I would normally say it. I'm not going to put on, uh, you know, a, a racist accent, mm-hmm. accent essentially. And, um, so that's why she says it, uh, normal. I mean, um, the, uh, the, the, her husband though, Mr. Lee, uh, he actually is played by by an authentic Chinese American actor, Calvin Jung. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think I think that's great. I mean, I will say it probably doesn't help stereotypes that they work in a dry cleaner, but uh, sure. you know, hey, one step at a time. They can't, right. They well, can't all be perfect. Uh, I, I honestly, I I don't don't think this commercial gets enough credit for, you know, going as far as it did to overcome, you know, anti-Asian stereotypes. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, now, Jell-O famously put out another, oh. like a, have you heard of, the, you've seen these commercials? Oh, the, we don't have to show them. The very, the want, very inappropriate Jell-O commercials? Sure, those were, those were some wild, I think those go back to like the 60s, I believe. Oh yeah, the, 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 the Chinese baby uh, wow. spots. Yeah, though that's um, Just for fun those commercials I would say kind of set the argument back. Yep, 
I mean, there's a there's a number of you know, baby can't use chopsticks to eat jello. I mean, it's it's not great. But there's also, I mean, have, uh, have you have you ever seen the was it the Folgers ad where the man like threatens to beat his wife because he didn't make her didn't make him a no. good cup of coffee? No, that's that's pretty wild though. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. Um, of course, the famous, the world famous Flintstone smoke Winston cigarettes commercial. Um, that aired back in Fred and Barney. Ah, when when I need a break after work, I smoke a pack of Winstons. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this was a cartoon. Hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Flintstones used to shill for cigarettes all the time. It was a different Can you time. imagine that? Can you imagine if we lived in a world where SpongeBob is was, you know, selling cigarettes to kids? There are, young adults. there are very strict rules about what you can and cannot advertise and when to children. Um, and, and they do enforce those, thank goodness. Sure. Um, Excellent. Yeah, yeah, the commercials, you know, have, have been with us for a long time. And uh, I think that they're, they're very much entwined into our culture. In um in ways that we don't often think about, like they can be a sign of the times that we live in, uh, and I would really like to ex- kind of explore that a little bit more, um, maybe on a future episode, like uh, how commercials apply to uh, the times that they're made, how they're kind of like a zeitgeist. I actually did a uh, a thesis paper in college on a similar topic. Um, it, it, it is very interesting and it is very telling how they've changed over time. Um, especially I think the, one of the biggest impactors of that isn't even necessarily cultural change. It's technology change. And the fact that people just don't watch commercials anymore. Commercials are shorter. Commercials are shot and edited differently. Um, they, there's a, but there was a whole trend of commercials. You know how people now they TV, you know, they, they DVR, they fast forward through the commercials. Commercials are now designed so they're more easily seen as you're fast forwarding through them. I mean, it's it's really technology more than anything else has changed ad ads at least in the past ten years or so. Um, so you're you're absolutely right. It's a very interesting topic. And some of these classic ads. Uh, yeah, hey, if you out there have any classic ads you'd like to share with us, uh, Matt, what's a good uh, use the hashtag? Uh, these messages. The yes, hashtag these messages and tag us. Uh, we would love to see some of your favorite commercials because we barely scratched the surface on this one. Uh, but uh, but that about does it for this episode. We're out of time, so hopefully you had as much fun as we did uh, checking out these old ads. As I mentioned, great time to check out the video version of the show on YouTube. Uh, the link is on our website. We're going to be showing these commercials throughout, so uh, you're going to want to see that. But if you can't do that, you can always listen to audio version as well. So all the links are at upfordebate.tv. You can click the subscribe button in the corner. It'll take you to all the links, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, really anywhere that we've got the, uh, you know, these uh, these shows, you can get them there. Uh, of course, you can follow us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter and email us UpForDebateTV at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. We will be back next time with more great stuff here on Up for Debate. Uh, on behalf of Matt, I am Sean. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll now return you. This commercial is over. Let's get you back to your show. We'll see you next time.